Our scripture lesson today is in Luke chapter 4, the first 13 verses. We invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word as I correct something that I can easily fix. That'll work. We'll say it does anyway. (laughs) Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for forty days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, if you are the Son of God, if you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus answered him, one does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, to you, I will give their glory and all this authority for it has been given over to me. And I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, again, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to protect you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him and said, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. (coughs) Again, we find ourselves as a nation in mourning. 17 killed at Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida by one Nicholas Cruz, 19, his former high school. Now we cannot imagine ourselves, probably, we cannot imagine ourselves as perpetrating such evil. But can we imagine ourselves maybe being a little too distracted or too tired or too overwhelmed or too bored or too complacent to follow up on a tip. The FBI received a tip last month from someone close to Nicholas Cruz that he owned a gun and had talked about committing a school shooting. The Bureau revealed this Friday but acknowledged it had failed to investigate. The tipster who called an FBI hotline on January 5th told the Bureau that Mr. Cruz had, quote, a desire to kill people, erratic behavior, and disturbing social media posts. 
The information should have been assessed and forwarded to the Miami field office, the Bureau said, but that never happened. And we all know what happened on Wednesday. This tip about Mr. Cruz appeared to be the second one in four months after another person told the Bureau about online comments from Mr. Cruz that he wanted to become, quote, a professional school shooter, unquote. Can you imagine being that person who did not think it was worth following up? Pray for them as well. The season of Lent, 40 days and 40 nights of self-examination in the church. Jesus in the wilderness for 40 days. We're emulating him just like in a way he was hearkening back to Israel in the desert for 40 years. And he was led there by the Holy Spirit into the time of testing. For the church, this is a time that we should acknowledge and admit that to be human is to be capable of doing great good and monstrous evil, both. Even through a combination of errors, as in the FBI office. Although, lest we think that Well, you can understand that, but I can't understand doing something evil. Things that we do not really want to consider, but during Lent are things we need to. One of them is this. In Nazi Germany, a significant proportion of the population went over the edge into evil. Put simply, although our minds and our hearts want to rebel from this, we would do well to remember that the guards in the prison concentration camps were probably just people like us who followed what C.S. Lewis described in the screw tape letters putting in the mouth of his senior tempter advising the younger one. Screw tape says the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without any signposts. So we begin today on this somber note of Christ being tempted in the wilderness. And by the way, as the Gospel of Luke puts it, 40 days in the wilderness. It did not say that he was in the wilderness 40 days and only then was he tempted. It says where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. The part that we see here at the end is the last big push when Jesus is at his most vulnerable. So the first temptation... Turning the stone into bread. I got a question for you. Have you ever been accused of being hangry? Mm-hmm. 
You haven't seen hangry until you've seen Kimberly hangry. <laughs> or Ashley, God bless you. Oh, no, Jaden. It is the thermonuclear device of hangriness. And part of the problem with her is sometimes she doesn't know that's why she's mad. Honestly, sometimes we don't know. Jesus had 40 days of physical deprivation, so very naturally the first temptation was in the realm of physical appetite. And what's interesting to me is that Matthew 4, 4, Jesus, I mean, it's the parallel for Luke, but it says the following. Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That implies something. That Jesus is saying it is not about the food, but it is about what God says. And it's about what God says. This is the principles let me just ask you this, and we'll put it this way because it's easy to conceptualize. When your survival is on the line, do you stick to your principles or not? Now think about that. I mean, when we're getting hangry, we know that love is patient, love is kind, love is not easily angered. I mean, we read that last week. But when we start feeling a little bit peckish, that starts to get a little shaky, doesn't it? What if your survival, or better yet, the survival of your family, your children were on the line? What would you do? How far would you go? How principled would you remain if it were a question of survival? I was running this question by my wife. She said, well, none of us really know until we get there, do we? We know that after 40 days and nights, the temptation to turn the stone into bread must have been intense because Jesus, though he is fully God and could not sin, he is fully human and would not sin, he still felt all of the temptation coming his way. And he still had to make that choice. The bread didn't work. The temptation to fulfill the appetites in the wrong way didn't work. So the next line of attack in Luke the devil gives is the temptation to worldly power. And let me ask you another question. Have you ever felt frustrated, helpless, and powerless. You hate that feeling, don't you? When you feel powerless, what does that do to you and to your relationship to others? You start getting nervous. You start getting skittish. You start getting snappish. How many of you were bullied in school? Don't raise your hand. I could write you a dissertation on what it is like to be simultaneously at the top of the class and the bottom of the pecking order. You get awfully tired of being pushed around. You begin to fantasize about pushing back. 
I will give you all the worldly power. You will have all the authority. It will just be yours. You don't have to work for it. You have it. This is the temptation to never have anyone push you around like the Roman soldiers and the guards who would beat him. The Pharisees and the scribes who would try to entrap him. His family who would try to pull him away from his mission. This is also the temptation of the easy win, of the shortcut, of skipping over all the hard work, all the trials, all the pain, and cut right to the victory. You were going to get there anyway. Why not take the easy path? It just means a little compromise. And it'd be so much easier for you, maybe for your family. And you're going to do great things. Whatever you have this result... So it's worth a little compromise, isn't it? The more powerless you feel, the harder this is to resist. This is the temptation of the inner city where someone says, I have no options. This is also the temptation of office politics. Well, it's not what I do, it's who I know. You scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. And to this, Jesus said, I'm worshiping the Father alone, not you. I'm not going to take the path of easy yet unholy winds. Number three, in Luke, the last push, if, if, You are the Son of God. Throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command His angels concerning you to protect you. On their hands they will bear you up. You will not dash your foot against a stone. Here's another question. Have you ever felt insecure? I heard someone saying this recently, and I to some extent believe it, that so many of us, and maybe it's universally human, at least at some stage, so many of us at our core feel that we are honestly not really worth all that much, but that we're doing a good job bluffing. But that if the people who look up to us or value us or even love us, if they really knew who we were, they would just say, no, no, not worth my time. So we try to convince ourselves, yes, we are worth something after all. Maybe we self-promote. Maybe we play ourselves up. Maybe we try to insinuate. Maybe we try to be the most smartest, most stylish, the most holy person in the room. But at the bottom of the braggadocio is someone trying to prove to themselves that they deserve being here. I don't think it's a coincidence that Satan kept saying, if you are the son of God, if you are God's son, if you are who you think you are, if you have the love of God securely upon you, if you know that what you're doing is going in the right path, if you are God's beloved Son in whom He is well pleased. Did you notice that this was right after the baptism? This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And then the tempter comes. If you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God. Well, just maybe 
If you're trying to put up the front, if you're trying to be the holiest person in the room, maybe even to yourself, maybe this is just setting us up. And maybe we're even fooling ourselves because at the heart of every person is the tragedy of the fall and the brokenness, which is why Christ came to begin with. And it comes down to this, that, oh, how did Paul put it? The good that I want to do, that's the thing I wind up not doing. But who can, me del- who can deliver me from this? Christ Jesus. But there's one other lesson in this last temptation. Because it is not an unknown thing. Even for those of us who directly say, okay, I'm a Christian, I love God, I serve Him, I read my Bible, I know it frontwards and backwards and sideways. I think the Pharisees knew their Old Testament frontwards, backwards, and sideways. So here's the temptation for the person who does. The temptation to try to use God's words to manipulate God's actions. Wow. If God loves you, do this. Because He said He would do this for you. He said He'd do this. If you're really God's Son, prove to me and to yourself that you are. Man, He faced this all the way to the cross, didn't He? If... God delights in him. Let him rescue him. Let's see if Elijah will come. All the way to the cross. Or maybe instead of just taking his words to try to manipulate God, we select his words very carefully to justify our actions. Or maybe there's just the surrender into cynicism. Nothing's worth anything. No one is me, anyone. God hasn't proved that he loves me. God hasn't proved he even exists. Nothing means anything. And we're in the book of Ecclesiastes. Read it sometime if you feel like a challenge. These are not easy. These are fairly universal. These are the things that we face and that Christ faced before us and for us. The Parkland shooter. There was probably more than one physical, psychological need that was not being met. If nothing else, the need for an evaluation and possibly a committal. Number two, I don't know about Mr. Cruz, but... The Secret Service, about 15 years ago, did a study on what motivates school shooters. I encourage you to find it online and at least read the summation. One of the findings was that the majority of school shooters were bullied and felt hopeless, powerless, no way to fight back. And finally, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but I do not think you can commit an atrocity like this and think that the world has any meaning in it or that God is real. But even if He is, I know of at least one shooter who said that he was doing this to hurt him. Good Lord, 
Are we not a broken people? Dear God, help us. Dear God, send us something or someone that can lead us out of this. And he has. Even though if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us, we do yet have hope. Paul said in 1 Corinthians, No testing has overtaken you that is not common to all. God is faithful. How many times have you had to say this to yourself? And will not let you be tested beyond your strength, but with the testing he will also provide a way out so that you may, may be able to endure it. This is Paul's statement that God is faithful. We need to look. We need to see. And that is part of what Lent is about. Looking, being honest, doing this hard work that makes none of us feel very good, especially on this first Sunday where we're setting the stage by saying, yeah, we messed up. But that just prepares us to say, isn't God amazing? For he, instead of just saying, I'm going to wipe it all clean, forget I ever did it, he said, no, I will send my son. And at one and the same time, he made the greatest sacrifice. Can you imagine a sacrifice greater than sacrificing your life for another's? I got one for you. Sacrificing your child for another. And God did both of those at the same time. Thank God He is faithful. So, as a friend of mine says, time to put on the big boy britches. Eyes wide open. Be ready for this time. Do not flinch in this time of testing. But doggone it, do not lose hope either. Don't. We of all people should have the most hope when we confront the darkness of this world. For we know that ultimately this darkness has been and is being defeated. And one day will be abolished. For now we know that in Christ the power of sin is broken and that in Christ one day the presence of sin will be gone. So do not fear this time of examination. God's grace is here. Heavenly Father, wow. Lord, there is... No way to take sin as seriously as you evidently do with a smile on our face and a spring in our step. Lord, when we reflect on these things, it makes us feel weighed down. It makes us wonder, are we loved? Can we be redeemed? Lord, thank you so much for providing in your Son a resounding and holy yes. Be with us through these Sundays of Lent. And Lord, let us find 
in the ways which we are broken, the possibility of healing and new life. Through Christ our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen.